<laughs> Good morning and hey, Rhythms of Grace. I almost just did it again. <laughs> I forgot to push the record button last time. We got like eight minutes oh, in. Um. It was gold, too. It was gold. Oh, <laughs> We're going to have to recreate it some yeah, sort of way. Yeah, some sort of way. But welcome. Um, we are in season eight talking about rest. And Nate just shared. Yeah. Son's, son's, son's already asleep. He's practicing. Yeah. Ugh, I'm practicing what we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah. About physical rest and embracing naps. Oh, man. So, was it? God grants sleep to those he loves. Is that in the Bible? It is. Oh. Wow. Uh oh. Oh man. <laughs> we talked last week about what a horrible sleeper I am. <laughs> that's true. Of course, I would take that as. Like, oh, so well, critical. that's going to come to this week <laughs> as we talk about emotional rest, yeah, Nate. But, really. Oh, good. But you were going to share some at it. the top of the show today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So last, last week, I was thinking about a quote that I read and sort of like um, internalized in my many years, like in the business world. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll read it, and then we'll talk about how horrible it is. <laughs> All right. You ready? Set the scene. Mm-hmm. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion, or it will be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up. It knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle, or it will starve to death. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Wow. Wow. It's intense, that's, right? That's a it's lot. It's intense. Well, <laughs> and, and I'm, I mean, I, I've said it, but I did internalize this, mm. uh, like for a, a lot of, a lot of years, mm-hmm. essentially feeling like if I was awake, I had to be going at 110%. Wow. And that's just, it's not, I think that that mentality is a lot of what keeps us from embracing what is a sustainable pace or a normal pace or even like moving in a direction that feels natural to us because Mm -hmm. there's sort of this sense like everything is a competition yeah and if you're not like going full bore you're gonna die but like Mm -hmm. that's like that's the consequence right if you rest you will die yeah Yeah. And I think also, you know, there's that like, you know, when the sun comes up, you better be running. It's like, well, you know, not all of us are most productive at sunrise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in this room, pretty much we I all love are. Sunrise. But for a lot of people, they're more productive after 11 a.m. Yeah. Or, or even like after evenings. dinner. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I don't get that. Yeah. And that's like well, foreign to us. <laughs> I, there was a season in my life where that was true. Mm. I hit my second wind at 11 p.m. Mm. This was during seminary mm. and I would stay up till like at least 2 a.m. I loved it. Then we had kids and then I was doing the 11 p.m. and the 6 a.m. Uh. What was what was the draw of after 11? I mean, cause you must have been the only person awake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that was it. I mm-hmm. It was time to read and think and write, do all those things knowing that everyone, well, there, there was a competitive side to this. I was going to ask if that was part of it. I, w- I literally was. Like, everybody else is asleep. Oh, you suckers are sleeping. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm pulling ahead. When the sun goes down, I'm still working. <laughs> Sung the gazelle is still running full bore. <laughs> I'm not going to let that line get me. <laughs> Maybe you're the lion. I'm not sure. Oh, boy. But, well, I, I said this during our non-recording recording, um, but so I'll say it again. But that story is a falsehood because it, it doesn't really paint life as it really is. Yeah. Because um, lions in Africa are 
part of a pride. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so not every line in that pride has to wake up at sunset and be faster than the slowest gazelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what a group of gazelle is called, but probably a herd, a herd yeah. of gazelle. Maybe um, you like you, you're not getting up at sunrise just bolting off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just to say, if your life is all about you and you're the center of the world, like, uh, first of all, that's, totally dysfunction on unhealthy but this is also the the, the value of community mm-hmm. where like there, there's a sense of collaboration and working together versus like i'm gonna win at the end of the day yeah mm-hmm. well your your comment about feeling like the slight edge of competition that lets you <laughs> staying up late I, I feel that when i read this as well which mm-hmm. is kind of like saying in order to be successful someone else has to lose mm-hmm. and that's not that's not true mm-hmm. but that is often the framework by which we feel like the world and especially probably like the business world or the academic world operates yeah. and so it's really easy to internalize this but it's a falsehood yeah. And, I, and I think it really is causing people to overwork and like, again, bring competition into areas where collaboration is actually more effective or more or closer to the reality. Like yeah. you mm-hmm. said, it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting just hearing this and, and thinking about the fact that in in like you know, the first world, uh, kind of like we, we have enough food, we have shelter and yet we still have a survival mentality when it comes to a lot of these types of rest. Um, which, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the series we're just, we're saying like, chill out guys, uh, feel free to, to relax. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe we're saying it to ourselves too. Uh, (laughs) for sure. First Um, and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, which is why we're starting with last week, physical rest. Yeah. Today we're talking about emotional rest, which you both scored highest 35 and a 30, a 33. Not that it's a competition. (laughs) Not that one of us is the lion and one of us is the gazelle, but I'm already running. (laughs) And again, as a reminder, the score, uh, what was the website? Um, uh, restquiz.com. Okay. Yeah. And and if you take this, the, 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 the quiz, and if you score a third, more than a 35, this area is negatively impacting your life. And last episode, Christine was like, well, you know, it's the, over 35 yeah. and then she revealed her score yeah. of emotional rest how much she, need, she, uh, she needs that and she said i'm a 35 yeah so can we and, talk about a, oh, i'm sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say and and i will say you know i emphasize that over 35 is negatively affecting you um between a 26 and a 35 you are feeling the effects of your lack of rest in yeah. that area and need a change yeah. mm. um so it's like you know for instance in college when you're like you know, I'm like a zombie and I'm not doing great, but I'm still passing my exams. Right. So it's not negatively affecting my life. Just I, I feel terrible yeah. sort of a situation. Yeah. So can we, so my question was, can we talk about uh, what emotional, because it's yeah. not just like your life has too much drama. Right. Yeah. Right. right. That's what I thought it was. And I was like, oh, that doesn't make, but it's, it's way it's different. different than that. Right. Because my score was 19, which is actually lower than, um, I don't, I don't know where that falls, but and your life is full of drama. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> my life isn't, but the people's <laughs> lives yeah. around me yes. at church yeah. is filled with drama. Right. Being a pastor. Being a pastor. Yeah. You, I mean, seriously, you are given the inside track of people's lives and sometimes people come in like here's the thing i'll say 
people will sometimes say if they're brave enough, and I, I, I actually admire the honesty. They're like, wow, you know, it must be pretty like, you know, great being a pastor. You know, they, they just think you just pray and meditate all day and you don't have to deal with, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, I deal with more drama in one week than you do your entire <laughs> yeah. life. Mm -hmm. I, I really reached a point where I was like, I'm not sure anything I'm not sure anybody could say anything that would surprise me anymore. <laughs> you've just you've just seen so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um because again, you like it's not your own experience, but mm -hmm. people come in and share it and you're like, Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be surprised by very much anymore. Yeah. Saddened, yes, yeah. you know, but not really surprised. And in fact, I think before taking this quiz, I often would say, even to the other pastors, man, I, I'm just emotionally exhausted. Okay. Mm. Because, I, I, again, I wouldn't feel physically tired, and I didn't know how to articulate my exhaustion. Mm. And so the best way I could think of it was just emotional because... Um, carrying the stress of the, 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 the church and people's lives mm -hmm. and our staff and our, you know, and, and I'm carrying that. And so I would just say emotional, mm -hmm. according to this assessment, uh, emotional is something very different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what would I call that previous, um, kind of, well, I, I think what happened is all that stress. Uh, and I talked about this last episode, I carried it in my body, mm -hmm. which le led to and continues to lead to physical exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, emotional exhaustion looks like this. And, and when I think of it this way, I'm like, oh, I could see why, especially you, Nate, since I've worked with you for so long, why you would score high in this. But there's a tendency to focus on your failures and your flaws. Mm -hmm. There's uh, doubts and insecurities. Uh, you're constantly compensating for who you are with apologies or clarifications. That, that, that's not so much you, Nate, but, you know, you beat yourself up when you make a mistake. You feel depressed or angry when you think about the different um, regrets or life as it is. And you exhibit excessive, excessive worry or display feelings of anxieties about different sort of situations. I mean, that's practically a shopping list. For, for, I mean, <laughs> legitimately, yeah. legitimately. Oh, I mean, man. almost everything. I was like, yep, check that mm. one off. Yep, check that one off. Yep, check that one off. But it sounds like when we're talking about emotional fatigue, it's sort of like your own emotional state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so for me, I'm listening to that list and I'm like, hmm. Do I feel like I check enough of those boxes to be mm. a 35? Mm. But when I read the explanation, like I have, I mean, some of those for sure. Um, it said like the freedom to authentically express feelings and eliminate people pleasing behaviors was mm. like the summary of emotional rest. <laughs> and like maybe, being in an emotionally rested state. Yes. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's what, it, and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's not that's hard where for I'm you. at. Ah, makes sense. And so I think maybe, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it'll be interesting to kind of talk through and shoot through this a little bit more. That's so interesting. Cause when I think of your, what causes you emotion, uh, emotional exhaustion, right? I have very little of that. And then when I think of you, your, what causes you emotional harass mm -hmm. about pleasing people? Yeah. <laughs> I have very little of yeah. that. Too. Which is why, did you, you had a pretty good score, right? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. really low. Yeah. Yeah. Sung just doesn't care. No, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true. In fact, I want to be really crystal yeah. clear that that's not what's going on. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. there are ways to, in, in many ways, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like emotional rest does require a certain type of caring less. Yeah. Like that's actually healthy. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to Amy about, uh, I forget how this was coming up, but she said, you know, sometimes what people need to do is 
forget themselves. Mm -hmm. They need to think about themselves less, Mm -hmm. you know? And I realized that in some ways my emotional fatigue Mm -hmm. is a result of me thinking about myself too much. Mm -hmm. What do other people need? How have I done? Am I qualified? Did I fail? And it's like, yeah, man, you need to think about yourself less. Yeah. It, that reminds me of that, like, definition of humility I've seen where it's like humility is not thinking less of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's thinking of yourself less. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely like part of, yeah. Yeah. Probably part of it for me, um, is like when I make a mistake or when I don't fulfill someone's expectations mm-hmm. of what I should be like or mm-hmm. should be able to fulfill. Yeah. That's when, that's when like the negativity, because it is still in some ways you, um, being concerned about what they think of you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 100%. So, it, so, I mean, again, I think, Sung, if you were to read that list again, almost all of those are like self-centered right. yeah. analyses, yeah. which, uh, I mean, 100%. Like, yeah. that's, uh, if, if, I, if I've learned anything on a, my mental health journey, mm-hmm. it's to, like, think about those things less, yeah. for real. And I think that's like one of the lies, you know, when we're like, oh, so, you know, like that joke, like, oh, you don't think about it. You don't care about anyone, which is like, I think one of the lies that, that happens. Is that a joke Or is that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Or are you hearing this for the first time? <laughs> um, but I think, I think that's like a lie that, that maybe people like you and I, Nate, like we tell ourselves yes. is like in order to care about yes. people. I have to be like self-analyzing every yes. single thing I say or do mm. ever in order to care about people well, in mm. order to grow as a person. Like right. I have to be this critical. And it's like a justifying behavior yeah. for, for what can be in and has been in my life an absolutely debilitating dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does it look like? I'm curious for, um, I have very little to say in this area. So. <laughs> he's more, he's, it's like songs at the zoo right now. He's like, Let's look at these two creatures in their natural habitat yeah. and see what comes up. So when have you found yourself when you are your most authentic self, not thinking of like performance or perfection or expectations of other people mm. or pleasing them? What does that look like for you? Hmm. Or, or how do you show up when that emotional self-critical talk or, you know, my emotional condition is uh, not dependent, but somehow shaped and influenced by somebody else's emotional condition. Yeah. Like when you're free from all of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the times that I have sort of walked in that and experienced it the most, um, I think I've, I, it's most striking to me in my interactions with my kids Hmm. because I bring two things to the table. One is sort of like my own belief about what's right and what needs to be done. Um, and then also my thoughts about like, what should I do to parent them? Right. Hmm. And when I sort of let those things fade into the background and simply say like, hey, and this is this is easier now that they're older, but to s- sort of simply say like, hey, it's, let's just talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want you to tell me. And if that, whether that is like, so, you know, like if they're struggling in school and they're like, I hate this class, I'm never going to use this, blah, blah, blah. Well, I know all the right answers. Like, and I, and I know like as a good parent, I, my kids should get straight A's or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I'm simply able to say, ah, I am like so sorry that this is so hard for you. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for how hard you're working 
and let me know how I can help. Hmm. That is when I feel most present. And that is mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to do with what I think is right or or how I handled that situation. For me, it's always easy. It's like, oh, well, just criticize yourself and you will like rise <laughs> to the occasion. Yeah. Uh, but that is when I find the connections with my kids happen most authentically and most deeply. Hmm. That's good. I can you clarify? Can can you repeat the question? Nate talked for so long. No, about himself. I, I I think I was thinking about the question <laughs> from from a different angle. So yeah, well, yeah. Go, go ahead. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I guess I was uh, I heard it as like what what practices were in place when oh, you were okay. at your or like mm. what was different when you were at your most emotionally rested or was it what was I like when I was most rested? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Those. <laughs> All right. I'll start with the second one. I think I yeah. Um it's easier for me to be present and not worry about saying the right thing or doing the right thing when I am emotionally rested or in like okay. that sort of a, yeah. a, a situation. Um, yeah, it just, I think, um, at like for me, I think a lot in like terms of like colors and textures, that's hmm. like, because of my synesthesia, that's like how I view a lot you're, of things. You're what? Uh, it's like a cross wiring of different senses. Oh. Synesthesia. Um, yeah, she like sees colors when you say numbers and stuff yeah, like and that. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, but it like it's terrifying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just put some uh, more emotional burden <laughs> pressure upon her. <laughs> oh man! But uh, all that to say, it's kind of like it's like when um, yeah, when I'm like more emotionally exhausted, I feel like darker and more trapped. Mm-hmm. And when I'm like fully emotionally healthy and like able to kind of be my full self it's like all like sky blues and sunlight hmm. kind of just like that open air sort hmm. of a feeling um where I, yeah and i think yeah like i'm my, my best self when i'm not self-critical right yeah. um where it feels again that lie that we can tell ourselves is like in order for me to be my best self i have to be self-critical yeah so uh another thing that i that i thought of just in terms of like a practice or a state of mind um is is living in a state of like sort of calm vulnerability. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like oftentimes my, when my self-criticism is running rampant, I feel so awful about myself that I don't want to be vulnerable or transparent with Mm. anybody. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to hide who I am Mm. and sort of like do these other things to sort of achieve the, accomplishments or the appearance of being this Mm -hmm. and if it's like imposter syndrome like to the hundredth degree right but when i find myself where i can actually be transparent and vulnerable Mm -hmm. like that is when i'm able to be authentic Mm, that's good and and it's it's like this weird dichotomy because in some ways the trick is that the lie is that if you try hard enough, you will finally achieve like the pinnacle of, of your authentic self, Mm -hmm. like who you're really supposed to be and blah, blah, blah. And in reality, that's not where I find it. The real path is when I simply like, you know, I, I make it a practice to like apologize to my kids and by God's grace, I have lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just simply to say like, wow, I blew it. Mm-hmm. Like as your dad, I should do better. You know, or as a follower of Christ, I should do better. As a human being, I should do better. <laughs> you know, but just to really ask for their forgiveness when I blow it because that is, that's a way for me to maintain authenticity and, yeah. which, and trans, which is, it's really hard for me. It's a yeah. very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. What does self-criticism look like for you, Christine? Um, yeah, so I think, um, 
Uh, yeah. So like, for instance, uh, a couple days ago, I like said something to a friend where it was like, I said it like slightly wrong, like not quite what I meant to say was what came out of my mouth. And she was like, oh, you mean this, which is what I meant to say. I was like, oh yeah, totally. I sh- that is what I meant to say. I'm so sorry. And then it's like, who would want to be my friend? Wow. Uh, wow. You know, like that's wow. like- Even spiral. Nate is saying wow. <laughs> Um, so it, and, and this was like, it, yeah, the, the thing that I said sounded like an insult and the thing oh. I was trying to say was making fun of that insult. Like, obviously this isn't true, right? but I, anyway, it's so funny that I would say, wow, because I had that exact experience last <laughs> night. You're saying, wow, because usually we disagree. <laughs> right. Usually it's like, can't relate at all to That's Christine. the amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I just did that last night. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, just like making mistakes and feeling like, like who would want to like, uh, yeah, for me, I'm a two who would want to love me. Like, Mm. because I am a mistake maker, Mm. um, is kind of like the emotional journey. Mm. Um, or like, yeah, why would anyone stick this out? Sort of a, a Mm self-criticism. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, I don't want friends really. So that's not, (laughs) that's less of a concern, but there is a way that I think I'm supposed to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And so what happened last night was I said something that was supposed to be a joke and I couldn't tell if it landed as a joke or not, or or if they took it as criticism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was sort of like, Oh no, like I'm supposed to be whatever, like kind and supportive and whatever. And now it just sounds like I criticized them and you know, so that that's sort of the way that it goes for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a very, it's very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what, yeah, that's, that's kind of usually mine involve other people. Okay. Um, and so that's like, yeah, like disappointing, letting down, uh, disagreeing with expressing needs to, all of that kind of falls under. Yeah. And mine actually is way more personal. It's yeah. sort of like I have a, I have an internal standard for myself right. that, mm-hmm. um, that if I don't, if I don't reach it, it's, uh, yeah, but like that is sort of the self-criticism. Like yeah. you, you could do better if you were more disciplined or a harder worker or whatever. Yeah. Wow. How, what role does comparison, if any play in all of that for you? Well, uh, everything and nothing to be mm-hmm. honest because the it, inherently the competition or the is against myself okay yeah. right however um i often take my standards from uh, other people or mm. things that i see mm. so it's it gets a little bit tricky because i will truly internalize a standard i remember once just explaining to uh my therapist uh, where I was like, I really do feel like I should be the best at everything. Mm. And she just said, that sounds so exhausting. I'm like, oh, it is. <laughs> but that's literally like how I feel. I feel like anything that I put my hand to, I should very quickly be able to be one of the best at. Mm. And though that's a ridiculous standard, especially mm-hmm. when you realize how many people are good at how many things mm-hmm. across, right. you know, throughout the world. And I'm getting better. I want to be clear that I'm getting better. But perfectionism doesn't sort of have a finish line, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, pick anything, you know? It could be any of the trades. It's like, yeah. well, you sh- I should know how to do that. Or, mm-hmm. y- you know, any sort of topic I should be able to converse mm-hmm. on intelligently. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't end. I, I just want to like repeat that thing that you said, because I think that is like one of the biggest things with emotional rest is like perfectionism doesn't have a finish line because mm. I think that's relatable for a lot of types is like, oh, but I once I'm good enough, yep. then I can pull back. Yep. Um, and there's like not actually an enough. Um, 
yeah, I think for me, it's like, yeah, I don't really struggle with comparison to other people or to myself. It's just like, I should be mistake free, but not like that. I need to be the best at everything. It's like, whatever I do, I should do Hmm. well, or I should do right. Um, but I don't, I don't think comparison's part of it, but I do feel that that finish line mentality. So how is that different from perfectionism? Cause it's you're saying not, I'm yeah, I'm saying it's not different from perfectionism. It's just <clears throat> different from comparison. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Because you said you don't really struggle with perfectionism. Oh, sorry. I meant I don't struggle with comparison. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's what I meant sense. to say. Yeah. yeah. I definitely struggle with perfectionism. You know, I think, I think the hard part about, um, well, so like, you know, this is one of those, it's like the perfect storm where you're sort of like, you have a propensity for something and then mm. you're in a, a circumstance that really sort of plays to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of my, both my academic career and then also a lot of my first jobs really played to mm. uh, th- that, that both um, desire and sort of expectation to be really, really good. Mm. And, and so I, yeah, there's been a lot of unraveling of some of those lessons that not I not only internalized mm-hmm. and um, not only were sort of like spoken over me as an expectation, but that I was actually praised for being good at. Sort mm-hmm. of like the, the ultimate, like, oh, this gets me, like this way of thinking gets me sort of the acclaim that yeah. I want or the respect that I that I want. And that has that has been the hardest thing to mm-hmm. unwind because you have to sort of learn a new well and again i'm I'm sorry that i'm going to talk about my therapist so much but one of the <laughs> things that she said to me regularly was she said that sounds like a coping mechanism that used to be helpful mm-hmm. and isn't anymore yeah. yeah and so like in school sort of like relentless criticism helps you achieve in a yeah. new job relentless self-criticism helps you quickly come up to speed and be a good employee at certain things, especially like in the financial industry where it's all numbers and details and dollars and cents and everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but if you carry that into a social interaction, Mm -hmm. uh, like a wedding reception or like after church or coffee with a friend, if you bring that same mentality in, that's a coping mechanism that just does not work. Mm -hmm. Like you end up, criticizing yourself for not being the perfect whatever in that mm-hmm. situation. Um, and, uh, and it just ends up being really, really destructive. Yeah. Hmm. So, oh gosh, I have a couple questions in my mind. One is, um, so when, when you have, let's say some of these negative thoughts, mm-hmm. self-criticism, yeah. you talked about vulnerability, um, appropriate vulnerability. So, for you, do you find it helpful like to get to to share some of your negative feelings with other i mean i mean like or at least expressing those emotions because i I imagine it'd be really hard just to keep it to yourself it, well it, my tendency is to keep it to myself, mm. but it is way better to put it out there okay uh, it, there's because it's like there's a difference between sort of allowing it to be a real standard in my head. So per, let's let me just make up a, a scenario. Mm-hmm. Let's say that we have a we have a uh, we have a party that we're going to, which we don't. But if we did, <laughs> I would I would feel a tremendous amount of social anxiety heading into that. Just feeling like oh my gosh, I need to be like funny and I need mm-hmm. to like you know, connect, connect with people and I need to like enjoy myself and, you know, all these things that feel like this is what I need to do, mm-hmm. which leads to emotional exhaustion. I can live with that standard or 
Um, what is better for me is to simply like say, usually Amy is the receptor the receptor of these conversations <laughs> like hey i'm feeling like this about the party i'm feeling like blah 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 blah. and the, here's the beauty of it since she has a much healthier way of viewing those situations <laughs> to sort of say well could you consider thinking of it this way or mm-hmm. what if you just what if your goal was like to just have one good conversation with one person instead of feeling like you need to connect with all 20 people like though like she helped putting it out there helps redefine the standard Mm -hmm. and then it's sort of like oh okay it sort of like breaks the power of it yeah Mm -hmm. so having like a trusted confidant or a circle of friends Mm -hmm. to really even express some of those yeah okay yeah how about you christine yeah i think uh yeah for for me um for me it tends to be most helpful to um, be able to write it down more oh, so than mm-hmm. to have a trusted confidant. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I just found it to be more impactful to take time to, to like, yeah, write or journal or, you know, make a poem of it or whatever it is, you know? And so that's one of the things I was thinking of after I took this test is like creative rest and, um, emotional, emotional rest. Like they have to go together. Like I have mm. to have mm. creative energy to get the emotional rest that's most filling for me. Oh, interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, for me, it's like, oh, I can, I can, like, I know the answers to a lot of, the, like, like, I know the answer to my brain, but when I'm just in my head before it's on paper, like, it's hard for me to get there on my own. Mm. But if I'm, like, in prayer, if I'm writing it out, if mm. I'm making a story of it, and now I'm, like, able to look at it as someone else, mm-hmm. it's easier to have, have that grace, to have that wisdom looking mm. at it. But when I just keep it in my head, I'm like, I don't have time to write or like, Mm -hmm. I don't have energy to write. Um, I just get tireder and tireder. So that's probably a good signal if you're saying, I don't have time to write, that you actually need to write. Exactly. Yeah. This is really helpful because Amy is like both you. She she journals as a way of Mm -hmm. maybe releasing some of that exhaustion or pressure, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I don't journal at all, uh, but I could see where for you and, and for her, that's really helpful. And this helps me understand that a little bit more. Yeah. And, and like you, Nate, she, she sometimes has social anxiety in, in certain situations. And, 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 and I guess here's the other question is, um, how do you stop judging yourself? In, in the, and let me give you some context in terms of some of our conversations. Amy, like like you were saying, Christine, mm-hmm. in an earlier example, sometimes she, she'll come back from a social event and say, oh, I was talking to this person and I said this. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that, mm-hmm. right? And she'll replay it like over and over and over again. And I'll... And again, we are so different. So my advice never helps her or hardly ever helps her. And then I will say to her, like, you know, Amy, like most people don't think about you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like most people just, and like, it's totally rational and reasoned. Yeah. And, 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 and then, and then I'm like, most people, even the things you say, they're looking at it from their own lens mm-hmm. and how it affects them. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's, you know, and she's like, well, okay. But then I'll turn around and, and then I'll say to her, it's like, man, this person said this to me. That was so stupid. And then she'll be like, see, it's people yeah. like you. Yeah. That's why I can't, you know, oh, no. yeah. but, but so when I try to reason with her, which I know is not the way she's like, thanks, but. No thanks. Yeah. So how do you shut down some of that 
like self-criticism? What I have found to be most helpful for me, and this is again, like, I don't know. I always go the, the spiritual route, but it's like in prayer, I, in my journal, again, because it helps to like write it out outside of my head. Um, for me, the practice of confession has been mm. the most helpful mm. because there are so many times where I'll go to confess something and I'm like, oh, that actually isn't a sin. Like I didn't sin against that person. Mm. I didn't sin against God and I didn't sin against myself. Mm. I'm just anxious. Like that's, mm. you know, that's the yeah. only thing that is happening here. And for me, going to God in that posture and holding it up to him and like seeing, okay, this wasn't an issue of right or wrong. This wasn't an issue of like, I've hurt this person. And so I need to go, you know, it's like, like again, two days ago, it's like, she knew I said, I, what I meant after yeah. we talked about it, I, you know, like it, what, even what I actually said wasn't sinful or wrong, no harm was done. And so like, Again, you just have to be willing to take the time to do that, which yeah. I don't always do. No, I think that that's a really good, I think that's a great point where it, it does take, it takes time. It takes, um, it, it takes being willing to like analyze those thoughts. And there's lots of, there's, I mean, everything that Christine and I have communicated is essentially saying like, you have to, in some ways be willing to get those thoughts out of your head and get mm -hmm. them somewhere where they can be sort of like a, a third party, not inherent to who you think you are or should be yeah. as a person. It has to be externalized in some sort of way. That's otherwise, otherwise um, you do feel like it's, yourself mm -hmm. and you can't get away from yourself and then you start feeling like oh my gosh like i'm a horrible person yeah. <laughs> you know yeah um so i do try to get them externalized mm -hmm. and and i think yeah like again like picking who like if you have a person i'm just thinking through like there have been people who have been really helpful as i say like oh this is how i'm feeling about this um and then there are some people who are like oh yeah i felt the same way um and like sometimes um like it's important with the like in order to get emotional rest to make sure that you're sharing with like emotionally healthy people yeah. Yeah. and not just like any friend because otherwise that can actually in my experience it can intensify the cycle yeah if you're sharing with highly critical people um who who are also not emotionally healthy they they might actually just make it worse and reinforce the lies mm -hmm. um or people might trivialize it and not realize yeah. what a giant factor it is for you yeah, yeah. um so that's yeah, that's just like a reminder that we're not saying like, tell just anyone right? and you'll get some emotional rest. Right. So. Well, that, that leads to the, the last question I had in regards to how you both navigate this because, and again, I'm, I'm trying to see this through the f filter of like my experience with Amy, my wife, not Amy, Nate's wife. <laughs> Sorry if that's confusing everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, uh, like, like she's way better at this, but like 15 years ago, we f first moved to the area and she had this one friend that was kind of toxic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Amy, you got to drop her. She's so bad for you. Mm -hmm. And she just couldn't. Mm -hmm. and, she, and part of it was people pleasing. Part of it was she's kind and compassionate and all, all those things, right? And, and then, like, she finally did, and she's like, I'm so glad that, you know, mm. the person's out of my mm. life. Five years later, another friend, 
And, and now it's to the point where it's like, oh, you know, she's she's very much aware of, mm-hmm. and she'll even say like, why why do I draw people who are kind of like needy? Mm-hmm. I'm like, because you're a great yeah, listener. She's mm-hmm. so kind. Yeah, you're yeah. so patient. You're so kind. Like, yeah, those people are drawn to you, right? They're not, they're not going to come to me. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you navigate if there's somebody toxic uh, in terms of a friend? Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're like, hey, Christine, you got to share with me. Yeah. You know, and they're yeah. demanding that or whatever. First, I, I guess, what, what does a toxic person look like for your emotional health? Mm-hmm. And how do you navigate through that? Yeah, I will say, I think some of this will come out in social rest. Okay. So I'm going to save part of this conversation for that. Because I think there have been seasons where I've been a lot more socially exhausted than I am now, even as an extrovert, again, mm-hmm. like, um, because of because of that. Yeah. Oh no, you had. Do you have something? Do you have? Uh, you don't. Not yet. You were just gonna go for it. I appreciate <laughs> that, Christine. That's so bold of you. Uh, you know, so I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more broadly, and then because I think for me it works also on an individual relationship level. But I, uh, man, I'm gonna have to like hope I can keep track of all this because I gotta step way way back. Um, I would say that I, I I for a long time mistook my emotional fatigue for relational fatigue. I am an introvert. Um, but, uh, but what I found is that the way that it works out is that interpersonal interactions, both one-on-one and in groups is what triggers all of my sort Mm -hmm. of emotional dysfunction. I have every conversation three times. I have it before I have it. I have it in like out loud and then I listen to it again in my head and mm-hmm. think about what I did wrong or how I could have done it better. And that is, uh, that's not relationally exhausting. That's emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of, as I've gotten healthier, what I've have learned to do is to be okay with eliminating situations that trigger my emotional fatigue. Mm. We have a wedding coming up. And I was just like, I'm just not going to go to the reception. Mm, like I, yeah. I'm just, that's just not going to be good for me mm-hmm. in, in any way. Um, and so I, I think the more that I've been able to see that as a, a sort of like an emotional expenditure in terms of like self-criticism, yeah. et cetera, versus a relational or social one, mm-hmm. the easier uh, it is for me to draw healthy lines. Yeah. And I think that works on a personal level as well. You, you have to be able to understand what is sort of triggering all of those negative thoughts and simply start making the call to eliminate or minimize some of those interactions in your life. Um, and so I, I, it's, uh, I've probably used this on both of you and I'm just <laughs> going to say, I'm sorry. Uh, I use farm chores as my out all the time. <laughs> like if I, if I, I am not a late night person yeah. and if I'm out somewhere at, you know, even if it's at like our community group or something and it's getting late, I am, I love to be able to say, well, gotta go home and do the animal chores, you know, just yeah. when I can feel that my emotional fatigue is starting to rise. And so mm-hmm. I just sort of have a bunch of those things sort of in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll just say no, like right out of the gate. Yeah. So l- l- let's use community group as an example. Not that this may have happened or not, but just as a, a, a um, hypothetical situation, what would happen in a, let's say a community group that 
would happen or something somebody would say or do or not do that might trigger a uh, an emotionally exhausting response. Well, I think what, and I think this is unique to me, so it'll be people like me that'll be able to relate to this, but it, it's more about being in the situation because uh-huh. what it ends up feeling like is I can't think ahead of everything that I need to say, mm-hmm. nor do I have time to reflect on everything that just came out of my mouth to make sure that it was okay. Mm-hmm. And so you like the anxiety like starts oh. to grow because you're feeling like, oh no, there's all of these things out there that I can't evaluate and can't prepare for. Again, like I want to be clear, that is all about me. Yeah. Like it doesn't have anything to do. That's not, that's not thinking about the other person mm-hmm. at all. It's simply saying, I'm not sure if I'm doing a good enough job here. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was like sort of build and build and build. And I think understanding that that's my propensity, I don't think it's unhealthy to sort of just like make the call mm-hmm. and say, ah, mm-hmm. all right, we're, we're about done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but the long term goal, as I said at the beginning is to think of myself less. Yeah. Um, and and able to be more present for other people in those situations. Yeah. Just not there yet. That's really helpful for me because uh, there's a lot of resonance there with what I hear from Amy. Mm. And uh, like, let's say in a community group or even in certain settings, and especially in like a group discussion where it's kind of spontaneous, mm-hmm. where sometimes she, she, she being an introvert, she needs more time to process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, oh, by the time I have form for my thoughts, they're like way off into the like next mm-hmm. three discussions. Yeah. Yeah. And then she feels all the more like incompetent mm-hmm. or unsociable or mm-hmm. not part of the discussion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a huge part. So the other side, thinking of yourself less is one part of it. And then the other thing that I would say is that learning to see yourself through the eyes of compassion is mm-hmm. another. Because the the fewer expectations that I have for myself, also the more relaxed I am, mm-hmm. you know. And so I do sometimes try to enter a social situation especially if it's like a big one with a very very specific goal that is very very small. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to one person Mm-hmm. about one thing of significance mm-hmm. and that you know if sort of like if i didn't have that as a goal it would feel like a failure like mm-hmm. oh there were 50 people and i only talked to one you know yeah. like a, a like especially when i compare to somebody like you sung or amy or even you christine who in a in a group you guys will all sort of like it seems to me that you're making like tons of connections. Mm. It's like, oh, everyone laughs when Christine's in the conversation. <laughs> and Sung's always a great story to tell. And Amy's will always meet someone new and find out everything about their mm-hmm. life. You know what I mean? And I just, yeah. I can't do that. Right. I have to, what I have started saying is, oh, I need to find someone I already know mm. and talk to them in a way that feels like it was meaningful. Meaningful, mm. yeah. But that's just, but that's like that's my standard, and yeah. if I have a standard of being Christine, who's the life of the party, I will never be that, you know. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's another part of it. Starting to just like that's, that's good. Care that's for really myself. Good. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like for you, it's less about like toxic people, and it's more about yep. like your own toxic thoughts. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I mean, again, my need for a relationship is is low, yeah. and so toxic people are easy to. <laughs> Not that this was even a toxic person, but somebody pulled up my driveway the other day, like a somebody like a tra- like a salesman. There's literally a deer running across that parking lot oh out the window. Yeah, look, look at that! At it go. <laughs> right in the middle of the wow. city. Oh. Um, 
somebody pulled up like and they got out of their car like they were going to sell me something and I literally didn't even look up from what I was doing. I was like hammering something and I was like, I'm afraid you're going to try to sell me something and I just don't have time for that. And she was like, have a blessed day and got back in her car and drove away. <laughs> I just don't like I. So those uh, like other yeah. people are, aren't necessarily the issue for me. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I, I'm... I, I drew attention to that because I'm definitely in the opposite, yeah. the opposite box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, where it's for me, I like Amy, I draw a lot of toxic people to myself because... <laughs> Is that why we're friends? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not you guys. <laughs> she, made, she made air quotes just for those, of you, for those of you that can't see what's happening in the studio oh, right now. Man, just kidding. No, no. Uh, but it, it, I think... It, it has been more of a problem in the past mm, than yeah. in the present, but um, because it, it's really easy for me to, yeah, engage with people well who who are unkind or you know not self aware or or whatever, um, and I, I do think they are they it tends to be more emotionally exhausting because um, it's easier for me to not think of myself uh, when I like. I'm not putting myself in a situation where anything I say could be taken uh, the wrong way, yeah, yeah, yeah. used against me, mm. told to someone else, misrepresented. Yeah. Um, and that is something where like, I, I've had lots of friends who like anytime I was in their presence or, um, you know, if we reconnect, like I, I am fully aware that at any moment, one thing that I say wrong could cause, you know, whatever mm. sort of, wow implosion on their part or explosion in that kind of you know friend group or whatever and that's that's definitely emotionally exhausting because then it like it it takes my like uh maybe irrational fears and like makes them rational it's like if you have a fear of spiders and then you're like in a room with tarantulas and you're like most spiders won't kill me but now i have proof that like 30 of them will yeah and that's um yeah it definitely makes a difference so how do you how do you navigate that then like how how do you keep yourself sort of uh, where do you find emotional rest when those people are in your life yeah so i think um for, for me it has been a process of like um, I, sometimes it, it actually, if I step back, it's easier to give myself grace. Cause it's like, oh, this person is an explosion ready to happen. <laughs> and so like, regardless of how careful it's almost like when you're in a no win situation, it's like, oh, whew, I'm going to lose no matter what. Mm. It's just a matter of when. So like some, like giving yourself that framework, which again, if I'm not consciously thinking right. about, it's like, I'm like tiptoeing, like trying right. to avoid the explosions. But if I think like, oh, like there's, it's just, it's going to explode right. at some point. I mean, again, you're talking about like changing the standard, yes. which is, yeah. it's so interesting mm-hmm. that even in a really, really different um, circumstance, even with really different drivers, like that still is often the remedy Yeah, because you're kind of like, Oh, like avoiding an explosion is not realistic. Like that's not going to happen. So let's change, let's change the standard. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, again, like not, not thinking of like, okay, how can I be exactly what needs to fit in this box? Mm -hmm. Like thinking of myself less and just being like, Oh, how can I engage in the situation? Yeah. How can I be authentic? In a, yeah. In a way that is authentic. Yeah. Exactly. And understand that an explosion is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'd rather be authentic and see an explosion and be like, well, this was mm. who I was called to be in this situation. So mm-hmm. it's like, whatever. Then like, feel like I did everything right. And I worked so mm. hard and I was so exhausted and it still blew up. 
So. Man, this is this is such a good. Con- I, we've been we've been talking for a long time, <laughs> but but I, I do think that there's an element of um, that this sort of like emotionally uh, fatiguing behaviors can often describe di- di- uh, blah, blah, can often disguise themselves mm. as um, like extra responsibility or taking on responsibilities that aren't yours um, or taking responsibility for things that you don't have control over. Like that is, seems like a primary driver of emotional exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And I can think of a lot of people for whom that is the case. They seem like they're always tired and it's kind of like from the outside, you can say, well, you don't have to be doing all that. You don't have (laughs) to be. But again, internally, you know, we're sort of blind to our, our own. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I see, maybe so so far more so than the others is how emotional exhaustion really does uh impact some other areas mm-hmm. yeah and i'm sure they're all connected in some way yeah. but here because it's so internal yeah it, um i i see it like oh yeah no wonder why it affects you physically no wonder mm-hmm. why it affected affects you creatively yep. yeah. relationally relationally yeah. whatever yeah. it is and so that's that that's that's kind of what I'm seeing as I hear all this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, and again, we are, we're really short on time, but Christine, do you have any healthy, we talked about with physical rest, we talked about sort of healthy habits or disciplines mm-hmm. that are sort of like long-term ways to, um, impact your emotional rest. Do you have, or your physical rest, do you have any equivalents for emotional rest? So I think, um, you know, some of the things that like, uh, that that are on the the kind of like list of emotional rest things we've talked about is like sharing with others like being vulnerable with safe people mm-hmm. and being yeah transparent okay. um journaling and writing and in general self-care like for me that looks like being out in nature mm-hmm. alone because a lot of mine is is people oriented yeah, people triggered um, or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so like being alone um, journaling. And then I really like this phrase, um, sharing and being witnessed, um, where it's like just that idea of like being seen, um, and, and not, and and yeah, witness, not judged. Right. Cause that's like the the fear of emotional exhaustion is yeah. Um, yeah, just like letting yourself be transparent in some sort of sphere, um, kind of like releases the hold of, I think, emotional exhaustion. Good. So good. So, um, yeah, hopefully this was helpful to some yeah. of you. Wow. I'm exhausted. I know. <laughs> Emotionally. I'm going to have to listen to this uh, episode again to yeah. see exactly what I said and if it was okay. I don't know. If I said anything wrong, I'll correct it on the next one. Oh gosh. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs>